Welcome to another Tougher Minds podcast. I'm Andrew Whitelam and I'm joined by Tougher Minds founder, Dr. John Finn. Hi there, John. Hi, Andrew. Now, John, today we're talking about the pandemic brain, and that's a phrase that's appeared in the media and people have been discussing it, and it describes what people have experienced during the COVID-19 pandemic. They say they've suffered a major mental deterioration, if you like, their, their cognitive ability, their well-being has suffered, and they're feeling extreme stress. And of course, all this has had a, a negative impact on their life and work. Now, the pandemic brain has been described as people feeling distracted, unfocused, unable to think straight, and feeling overwhelmed as well. So, so John, why have the changes to our lives that undoubtedly were created by the pandemic, why have they brought about these feelings and these negative mental consequences for so many people in our society and communities? Yeah, I think it is important to say that it is for many people, but not everybody, and as a continuum of how people are feeling. Some people have created a really positive balance in their life, um, but it's almost it's like on a continuum. Some people have are doing better. Some people are doing much worse than they were before the pandemic. I think for those who are doing worse, the first thing we have to understand is what the lockdown situation, the changes it brought about to what we do in our daily lives. And very quickly into lockdown, people were reporting problems with sleep. They were doing less exercise. Their eating habits were changing. And actually, this is all about habits. So everyone in lockdown had to change their habits. Some people built more helpful habits. Some people built uh, lots of unhelpful habits. And the challenge we know is that when we stop sleeping properly, when we stop exercising properly, when we stop um, eating properly, our brain stops working properly. And we've talked a lot for a long time at Tougher Minds about how this impacts the hippocampi area of the brain. These are the only sites in the human brain we understand that produce new brain cells. If you have a pet dog, uh, dogs also have this in their nose as well because it's a, a center of learning. And you can actually quantify that when your brain is working well, and let's say you've just done a bout of exercise, it releases, scientists think, about 700 new uh, neuron stem cells we have about 100 billion neurons in our brain but a bout of exercise releases about 700 new uh, neuron stem cells and we can use these cells to help us to build new habits to think in different ways and one of the problems is when we're not producing lots of new brain cells it's easy to get sucked into cycles and spirals of negative thinking because you just get fixated on the worry and the threat and the problem and you don't have the new brain cells to be able to allow you to step back and put perspective on that and to think about it in a different way. So just the fact that we were constrained pretty much to our home apart from doing a little bit of, or having the opportunity to do a little bit of exercise and maybe go to the supermarket means that for many people, sleep, diet and exercise, which are all interconnected. If you don't exercise enough today, it'll be harder to sleep tonight. And I think sleep is almost the most important of those three. If you didn't sleep well last night, 
chances are you'd be less likely to exercise as much as is optimal for you. Chances are you'd be more likely to eat the wrong kind of food that is not good for you. And what we know is the more we practice these patterns of behavior, in other words, habits, the better we get at them. So if we practice not sleeping well, we get better at it. If we practice eating the wrong food, we get better at it. If we practice particular exercise patterns, like not not doing much exercise at all, apart from maybe walking around the house, we get, that's what we get in the habit of doing. And it becomes easier for our brain to do all those things. That's the whole point of habits. So therefore we just default to the easiest behavior. And then when we're trying to think cleverly and clearly and do focused work, it becomes difficult because the eight brain, the alive perceived energy brain is running the show and it's just on the constant lookout for quick wins in terms of short-term gratification, short-term gratification. Now, of course, we all know if we want to do clever the type of work that makes us feel like we've made progress at the end of the day, which is clever, focused work. We need to delay short-term gratification, turn the phone off, don't check the emails every few minutes to give ourselves an opportunity. So it's almost the perfect storm, I think. But in very simple terms, for many people have developed lots of really unhelpful habits in the lockdown period because we get good at what we practice ultimately. And so just, just to briefly digress, you, you think the term then pandemic brain, pandemic brain is quite useful because it describes the effect on our brain neurobiologically and, and alludes to the consequences of that. Yeah, the, the brain is, people's brains have been changed and this, this is the thing. And what we do know is our brain is changing all the time because our brain is made up of about 100 billion neurons and it changes in accordance with what you practice. Now, humans are designed to prioritise staying alive, thinking about how we're perceived by important people and saving energy. And we've got a set of instinctive habits that drive that behaviour. And these habits are things like worrying and beating ourselves up and procrastinating and giving into temptation and taking the shortcut. And the the pandemic context made it easier for, for those habits to become more dominant they're like little infections that if left if left left unchecked they they take over your brain and if we want to get rid of them we've got to change our brain in a different way by practicing a different set of things but the types of things that we need to practice to rewire what is maybe now for you your pandemic brain are much more difficult to do so developing the pandemic brain was a bit like eating more donuts or watching more Netflix, and there may have been some other things you were doing, but changing our brain to build better sleep, diet and exercise habits, to be able to do more bouts of focused work, think more cleverly, is going to be a bit more like you know, doing a training to, to do a 10K or something. It's going to take some effort. It's going to require delaying short-term gratification, but if we persist with it, we will re-establish more of our helpful habits. Now, we're going to come on to exactly how we can respond in more detail to some of these challenges and problems in a few moments, so, so we'll deal with that. But just a couple of other specific things. What, what you've, you've described, I guess, as well, is basically, in common parlance, stress in another form. People have been stressed during the pandem- pandemic, I'm sure. So how does stress affect us then and and what are the negative consequences of stress for our our bodies and our brains 
Yeah, so let's think about what stress is. It's a neurobiological response and it's a natural response. It happens in everyone's brain. Stress happens because what you expect to happen doesn't happen. So I don't expect my boss to send me an email like that. I don't I expect my partner would say good morning to me and give me a smile when I see them first thing in the morning. I don't expect someone to get really close to me in the supermarket, you know, when I'm doing my shopping. I expect them to respect the two meter rule. And stress doesn't only have to be about things that have actually happened. Uh, we have a we have a predictive brain. And our brain all the time is projecting into the future what's going to go on. And of course, what, what's happened and what still is happening in the pandemic is just huge levels of uncertainty. And this has been fueled by the attention economy. So people are publishing news stories almost every five minutes about what might happen and what the potential consequences might be. And this is just like... Um, candy for our ape brain it wants this this it wants to be aware of this uncertainty because it wants to be aware of what problems might emerge in the future and what are the threats i'm going to have to deal with in the future so we've got this this brain is a threat detection machine our dominant brain and we've just been primed with lots of real stressors like that person getting too close to me or potential stressors during this period of time. Lots of what we call disconnections of meaning systems, firing up the stress response. Now, as I said, stress is a natural response, but if we stay in stress states for too long, it starts to, in very simple terms, damage our brain. Things like we get too much cortisol in our brain and that's damaging for, for brain function and brain structure. And the brain actually, the, the eight brain, the stress centers, if you like, the limbic regions, they also take over every other site in the brain. So people say, for example, when they're stressed, oh, I just can't think clearly. And that's because the part of our brains we used to think clearly with, if you like, is our prefrontal cortex, but the eight brain takes over everything. So again, it's the pandemic has been this perfect storm to create stress responses in people's brains. And one stress plus another stress in the math of stress doesn't necessarily equal two stresses. Very quickly, we can find ourselves with one stress plus one stress equaling 27 stresses. And then this is going on day after day after day. Now, of course, the first thing that we need to do to manage stress is sleep well and exercise properly and eat properly but of course when we're not when we're feeling stressed we sleep worse we don't exercise and we don't eat well so that, that, that's the challenge that we face and, and no doubt for many people again it's been a perfect storm yeah well it's great to understand the the complexity of that and I, th I think it will certainly help people john and another consequence of the of the pandemic of course has been enforced remote working for many people indeed it was a it was perhaps law at one point i can't quite remember it's certainly a government directive and um a consequence of that of course increased social isolation so why does that affect us um negatively and why can it be also unhelpful and damaging for for, for work and life well, we are social, 
were designed to work in teams um, or we've got really good at working in teams and that's how our brains are wired. So if, if we just think about Homo sapiens as a species, they are phenomenal at working in teams and our ability to do that has helped us to survive and thrive on the planet. And if you think of, if you go back to the uh, Savannah Plain, if that's right, or maybe the Sahara Plain, I'm not sure what uh, anthropology early, early man, basically. Early, early man. Yes, yeah. yeah. And you think about the other animals that were around at that time. Well, humans were... Big, big and dangerous. <laughs> big and dangerous. Humans were not the, big, the fastest or the, or the strongest. Our unique survival advantage was our ability to work intelligently in teams. Yeah. And this relates to the P and Ape, which is perceived. And we are innately wired to be mindlessly concerned by what other people think about us, important people in our lives. So I think social status. We've seen this dramatic rise of social media over the last 10 years or so. That's all fueled by showing people how great you are. Um, and we have a part in our brain that drives this desire to be um, liked by other important people in our lives. And this part of our brain is actually wired into the parts of our brain that tells we're thirsty and we're hungry. So being part of a team, a group, is absolutely fundamental to what it is to be human. And there are some studies emerging that show that isolation is just as damaging for our health as some of the most damaging things we understand like smoking and too much alcohol consumption etc so i think just fundamentally if we if you have been forced to be in isolation because you don't have a family and you live by yourself the problem is is that you're actually designed to be around other people even if it's just you know going to the coffee shop every day and in, engaging with those people in the coffee shop that's been a really important part of your mental health and, and that gets taken away so yeah it is problematic and the extended challenges is that obviously we've moved to a, a world of remote communication video conferencing is that it's just not the same when you do that because the technology in our brain if you want to think of it like that that allows us to communicate with people and read other people's emotions and i'm sure neurobiologically get all the benefits of being in other people's company just doesn't work as well when you're not in person you know so you get these sort of delayed feeds on video conferencing you're not really looking people in the eye you, you, you tend to sort of trip over each other's sentences because it's just a much clumsier interaction and just not as neurobiologically satisfying so so yeah it's a good point andrew and, and i think many people have suffered but I suppose it, the positive thing is it, it highlights how important it is to be part of groups and communities and we need to make sure that's a staple you know, in our lives going forward. Okay, so we've seen a very detailed analysis then from you there, John. We've, we've looked into that and, and I think many people will recognise some of the things you allude to and, and, and now they know 
the root causes. How can we respond to these problems? Uh, we're starting to see, hopefully now, a pathway out of the pandemic. So what, we, what can we do about these things and, and act on, act on what, what actions can we take to, to start feeling better, I suppose? Yeah, well, we need to adopt the mindset of becoming habit mechanics because this is going to be about building new habits. The quick tips and tricks are not going to cut it here because they don't change your behaviour. Um, That's the sort of thing you might read an article saying 10 things you can do on a daily basis, that kind of thing. Yes, and there's many people out there, you know, well-intended pushing that stuff about. There's some other people out there also who are not well-intended who are actually being quite deceitful about for example, saying, well, I do this and this helps me and it only takes me this much time. And when you scratch the surface, it's a lie. They're not, do, you know, they're not getting those benefits at all. And there's some stories coming out at the minute of, of people pushing some quite dangerous um, and irresponsible practices about what they said they've done to boost their health. And actually, if others do that, it's going to damage their health. So, so be wary of that. But it's always about... We've got to take more control of how we shape our brains. So if we want to do better, we've got to get, we've got to learn how to change our brains so we can build new habits. That's going to help us to feel better and do better. But to do that, we have to adopt this identity of becoming a habit mechanic because we live in a world now after the, pan, after the pandemic where we're still in this war against the technology that we use against big business trying to get us to do what they want them what they want us to do trying to get us to eat what they want us to eat and uh, spend our efforts and our energies consuming materials that, that's good for their business and it's not good for us so if we're going to become a habit mechanic the first thing we need to do is step back and just look at ourselves and rate how well are we doing and you can just do that on a simple continuum from one to ten 10 is, I feel like everything's going great for me right now. One is, I feel just really rubbish and feel like I'm a bit of a failure. doesn't matter where you are on the continuum. We just have to do what we call intelligent self-watching and that type of exercise will allow you to do that. And then you've got to just pick one tiny thing, one tiny new habit that you can start to build. It's going to start to make your life a bit easier. Is it, I'm going to do a little bit of exercise every morning. Could just be a five minute walk around the block. Could be I'm going to start to eat one more piece of fruit a day than I have been doing. Could be I'm going to write a written reflection at the end of every day to focus more on the positive things. And slowly but surely, if we keep repeating that, we're going to end up building more and more helpful habits. So to become a habit mechanic, we just need to get better at intelligently reflecting and intelligently planning. Use the structure of the day the week and the month to allow you to do that. So daily planning and reflection from two to five minutes a day. It will save you hours every day. That's all it takes, that time. Yeah, yeah. weekly planning and reflection. Maybe take 15 minutes at the end of every week just to reflect back on what's happened for you. Really focus on the positives or the helpful things, but then have a little think about what you can do even better next week. And the same with every month. Um, and obviously in our habit mechanic programs we've created very specific tools to help people to do that but they're, they're all centred on intelligent planning and reflection Yeah, I was going to say John how can people you talk about becoming a habit mechanic how can people maintain that approach then consistently once we 
do finally navigate our way out of the pandemic so that they not only come, overcome pandemic brain and, and COVID and its consequences, but they feel better and they do better in, in their life and work for the long term. Well, a good starting point is trying to become a level one habit mechanic, which is absolutely free. I'm not, sending, I'm not selling you something here because that will give you a deeper dive understanding of some of the things we've been talking about in this podcast. And then that will take you on to the next level and the next level. So we live in a world where I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that unhelpful habits increasingly infest our brains or infect and infest our brains. And if we don't take, if we're not proactive, our life will just become more and more challenging. So we have to take positive action as soon as possible. And a great way to do that is to, you know, sign up for something and work through a structured program that will guide you to build uh, better habits, just one small change at a time. Well, John, thank you very much for your time. Um, you can access that level one habit mechanic training for free at the Tougher Minds website, tougherminds.co.uk. You'll see it there on the homepage. You'll be directed to it. Look at the buttons. You can access that course. It's a free video course to work through very, very rapidly and you will become a level one habit mechanic for free. John, thanks for your time once again. You've been listening to the Tougher Minds podcast. Thanks for that and we'll speak to you soon. Uh-huh.